Is there a future where The Sopranos will one day be lost by newer generations? Perhaps in the oversaturation of streaming services and critically acclaimed TV like Tears and Rain. Welcome to Josh Hasn't Seen The Sopranos. I'm Jared Backens and I'm joined by my two millennial co-hosts Drew Madden and Josh Fink as we go through each episode to uncover if The Sopranos should still be considered the best. It's good to be in something from the ground floor. Even though some consider 2020 the golden age of TV, I get the feeling we came in too late for that. We came in at the end. The best is over. Josh hasn't seen The Sopranos. Here we go. All right, welcome to episode nine of Josh Hasn't Seen The Sopranos. This episode, we're going to be exploring the episode Boca of season one of The Sopranos. Guys, let me ask you, when you're putting on the episode of The Sopranos, are you watching the whole intro? Yeah, every time. Is that because you're watching on a DVD player and it's a pain in the ass to forward through? <laughs> yeah, you have to like hold down fast forward for at least 15 seconds. Because Amazon and Netflix, you can just click skip intro and it, it skips it for you. Um, okay, that's that's good to know. Josh, how about you? Are you watching the intro or not? Uh, I skipped to about the end part, but I still I really do like the song um, that's playing and uh so I like kind of give me give myself thirty seconds to just listen to it. You listen to the first thirty seconds or the last? The I mean, you know, however, I watch it a lot of times on my phone. Um, so however long like my finger can scroll, you know, it's not an exact science. So whatever's left, usually about thirty to thirty five seconds. You watch the episode on the on your phone? Yeah, I've lost uh, I've lost my watching partner. She has uh, been <laughs> disinterested. So what episodes you lose her on? Well, we kind of got off schedule last week uh, where I had to watch it on my own because she just didn't have time. And yeah. um, it just worked out that I, I downloaded, since I have HBO Max, uh, I downloaded it onto my phone, just watched it there and uh, made it work. And I can just scroll, you know, like any YouTube video or whatnot with your thumb. So I don't always get to the end, but give myself about 40 seconds to listen to the song and whatnot. I've that is the most millennial thing I've ever heard. Skipping <laughs> know, an intro like, and watching it on your phone. I'm like so I'm like shook right now. I don't even know what to say to you. <laughs> Are we in different centuries like when it was recorded on DVD to full 2020? <laughs> the only um, thing better Drew is if you had it on VHS and you're just like yeah. <laughs> just have to rewind through all the episodes to get cuz <laughs> this would be the ninth episode so it's like God, my, my go dad didn't it. rewind it last time. I guess spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, is Emily still watching? Yeah. So I mean, not to harp on this, Josh, but you plus one should give it another try. Like we were, we're approaching like the territory now eight to 10 episodes is where I think Lizzie first got hooked when we were watching it in Spain when it was like, all right, now priority of our Spanish trip is to get home early and watch an episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> How are you feeling it? about it as as a whole right now josh so i was thinking about this earlier and it was like imagine you're going to a fine dining restaurant very fine dining like your significant other just got a promotion you're shelling out the big bucks you're knowing you're probably not (laughs) going to get satisfied it's like okay she's ordering some appetizers you're trying to put the price out of your head there's these small things (laughs) like two bites you're like oh you know that's really good like i wish i had probably like 20 more bites of that and then, you know, another little entree comes, a salad, and you're like, you know, this has been like three bites. Like, I know it's good. I know it should be good. I'm really enjoying it. And then, like, this episode was like the entree. 
like the entree comes and it's a 22 ounce bone in ribeye steak. And you're like, okay, now I'm getting my money's worth. And I feel like it took that long to get to this episode where it's like, boom, like this is the meat. Like, I feel like, okay, things are all coming together. (laughs) We're ready to rock and roll. I'm in. And it's like, you know what? After I come home from that dinner, after I had that entree and tell my buddies, eh, it's expensive, but hey, it's worth it. And let me tell you why, because of that entree. And I think we built ourselves <laughs> up to that and I'm just, I'm ready. Let's do it. And I'm, I'm, I don't even care about dessert. I, I'm ready for the next few episodes. So we get to the season finale and then season two, like I want to know what happens next. I got that flavor in my mouth and I just, I need it. I'm, I'm, I'm fiending on it. So I'm that's it, it was such a slow start, but I knew it was good. And so it just kept me hooked and I, I I've been satisfied. I'll I'll give you that. I mean, that's that's super interesting because I it took it took Lizzie that long when we were watching it the first time to to really be like, wow, this is something else. And I, I rewatched these first few episodes and I I love them all too because I've like I mean, I treat the characters kind of like I feel like we're hanging out whenever I watch it now. It's just like, oh, I'm you know hanging out where, wherever they are, you know, we're, we're in the back office here. We're in the Satriali's, you know, drinking a cappuccino out front, but it, it does, it, it doesn't become the level it eventually becomes in those first few episodes. It does take some time. And that's funny. I think, I think it was this episode in Spain when Lizzie was like, I'm getting really into the Sopranos now. And we, we've attributed it to be like, Oh, shows nowadays are so much better at like grabbing you in. But even, I think Game of Thrones aired in 2009, like season one of Game of Thrones. I think I watched like seven or eight episodes and was uninterested and then came back later and rewatched them and then and eventually watched the full series again. So so even even the shows that, that people are like nowadays, you know, raving about more than The Sopranos, it still takes some time for some of them, too. I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that, Drew? I was like, wow, this is uh, I was trying to think of to the beginning of Breaking Bad of the mm-hmm like range of episodes like we kind of got into some pretty serious subject matter on this one and a lot of like depth to the story and stuff yeah i'm totally i'm totally stoked to be watching it again and i didn't i'm really forgetting lots of the uh, episodes so that brings up something i came across on the internet and i've heard is some criticism of the sopranos and i want to know i want to talk about this for a couple minutes here but some people nowadays they who those who dismiss the Sopranos, and I'm not just talking about the millennials and the centennials and you know the people who love Ozark or whatever they're watching now. I'm talking about older generations too. They say, oh, you know, the Sopranos is nothing more than a high quality soap opera. And that's and that's the whole insult there. So I mean, I don't know. Is Josh, is the Sopranos nothing more than a high quality soap opera? Do we want to define a soap opera? Yeah. Let me can you say like three soap operas that <laughs> so once there's like uh primetime soap operas that you might be more familiar with like uh gray's anatomy that's probably the most popular one let me read the definition and it might make more sense um it's a radio or television serial dealing especially with domestic situations and frequently characterized by melodramatic and sentimentality so being melodramatic uh you tend to see a lot of like the same tropes, maybe. Oh, like that. Every character has had an extreme situation. Like everyone has gotten into a car accident at some point. What are the odds of that? Whereas in real life, of course, an extreme incident might occur, but it's not happening every single day. 
um, might be a good way to put it. So that's, I guess that has been a way to dismiss The Sopranos. Oh, it's just nothing more than a high quality soap opera. You know, it has these domestic situations, melodramatic, overly sentimental. Josh, what do you think of that? I disagree. I When I think of a soap opera, I think of the story being bigger than the characters. You know, you think of like Doctor Who in Britain and they have, I don't know if it's called Doctor Who uh, or maybe it's Doctor Strange or whatever. But they've had like 15 <laughs> Doctor Whos. You know, there's only one Tony Soprano that there's the characters make the show. It's not the storyline. And we've kind of touched on that where it's not a big story arc. It's kind of episodic with a little bit of small plots mixed in. And so, you know, from my understanding of soap operas, it's kind of like, you know, days of our lives, which has been going on mm-hmm. for 40 years, you know, it, the story makes it instead of the characters. And I think it's the total opposite with the Sopranos and without the, uh, powerful acting and, and writing that is attributed to all the characters on the Sopranos. It wouldn't have even been regarded as such a good show. So, I mean, I, I agree. The actors are much higher caliber. I mean, I think that's why the, the argument is it's just a high quality soap opera, but a crucial element of soap operas is this is from Wikipedia open-ended serial serial nature of the narrative with stories spanning several episodes. Um, they often have, multiple stories occurring at the same time so i think that's what they're getting it from so do you still disagree you don't think the sopranos is a soap opera i mean if if that's the definition then maybe <laughs> it, maybe it falls into it i mean we all know wikipedia is not a good source like any tom dick or harry can edit that page but uh yeah i don't know i mean I, you need sources you need sources no but I, I i agree with that uh definition i think that's accurate for what a soap opera is yeah i mean Maybe, maybe I would agree with that definition. <laughs> then, it, I mean, if it is a high quality soap opera, so be it. Like, what I don't get the insult, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I think exactly. Which is just like, is that a bad thing per se? It's like, is Game of Thrones a cheesy fantasy genre? You know, it is. But actually, Game of Thrones is probably more of a soap opera by that definition. Part of this definition too is they attribute a lot of cliffhangers and like dramatic twists and shocks and things like that. And Game of Thrones fits much more of that build, I think so. Mm-hmm. You know, they lead, leaving on a cliffhanger, they relied on shock deaths and twists and in the storyline too. So I think a lot of popular shows resemble soap operas, but then I think it brings it to that point. Like, is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't know. What do you think, Drew? Yeah, definitely. I think it fits the definition of a soap opera. And as I, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but I remember there being kind of like reoccurring um, themes. You better be freaking careful right now. What <laughs> <are> you, <gonna laughs> <say>? <laughs> you just blow the ending. I remember. Well, podcast. Well, I haven't. Over. I haven't seen the ending. I oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember there being like reoccurring. Uh, it's not like, and this happens, and the whole story changes, or I, so. But yeah, I don't I don't see the the jab at being the best soap opera ever. Yeah, exactly. It's just like which I, I'm kind of surprised the following behind this uh, this criticism. First of all, I don't see that as being a jab, and second of all, I do believe Sopranos is less melodramatic. It doesn't rely on the cliffhangers as much as a lot of the most popular shows now. I think a lot of more popular shows have become melodramatic. Um, whether they're their Game of Thrones or or Breaking Bad has just like the most boring <laughs> familial 
disputes in the first couple of seasons. It was just like, oh my gosh, please just go cook meth again. <laughs> Do you think shows today are more melodramatic than when The Sopranos came out, Drew? I've been watching alone. It's pretty melodramatic, but that's that's like a documentary style. <laughs> What's the show? Alone. They like drop someone off in the Arctic or uh, and you just like whoever stays out there the longest wins like $500,000. <laughs> and it's just like a lot of them get pulled for medical reasons. I would imagine it's pretty melodramatic. They're just like they just like break down emotionally. You feel so bad for them. I guess the. The real life soap opera now is just much more entertaining. It's like, oh, let's let's put all these people into a house together <laughs> and put them through a bunch of activities and see what kind of soap opera we get out of real life. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's film a bunch of hoarders. <laughs> <laughs> Publicize their, you know. Have you guys seen the movie Network? No. Is that the one where it's like, uh, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's Yeah, it was made in the 70s and it was pretty much just maybe some of the first ideas in mainstream about like news finding ways to exploit people to to make money. The The main storyline is the, the main news anchor is like really emotionally unstable and he threatens he's going to kill himself on live TV uh, like a week from that day. Crunches the ratings. Yeah, and they're just like, wow, we got to keep him on TV. <laughs> It's just so twisted. Uh, so this episode, Boca, uh, what did you, I mean, I, I think we all, all really liked this one. Um, what did you guys take away as the, the core of this episode? Drew, do you have one? I want to lick, 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 lick you from your head to your toes. <laughs> and I want to ah, 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 down, down to the floor. <laughs> Jared, do you know who, do you know who sings that? Is it like uh, Def Leppard or something? Ludicrous. It's ludicrous, yeah. Oh. I, Josh totally got that. Damn it. Uh, I'm going to have to edit that out. That was embarrassing. That was go, listen, go listen to your Beatles CD again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was mean. No, that wasn't. I, I, bet, I, I will tear you apart first chance I get. Uh, <laughs> So if you can narrow that down to uh, just a few <laughs> words. <laughs> I'm going to keep that. Yeah, that's it. All right, uh, all right Josh. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that one up. Uh, let's see. I've, I was thinking maybe uh, oral sex. Your friends might think it gay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oral sex. Your friends might think it's gay, but the ladies don't. <laughs> Pretty sure we're going Jared's. Uh... <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I thought you guys. Uh, I, I was really hoping you guys would come up with something better because I wasn't really <laughs> feeling it this week. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> hey, this could be our biggest download. <laughs> I, I'm definitely gonna put ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh, <laughs> I wrote good decisions can be made. So it seemed like you two were focusing on one avenue of the story, uh, and I was focusing on another. On the other. same avenue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would like to add in a, a, a secondary. Yeah, you can have a second option. I was kind of thinking, um, revenge is not justice. Oh. That just come to you? Yeah. I like that one the best, I think. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) 
Frankly, I, I like mine the best. <laughs> Can you guys name the storylines in this episode? There were four of them. I know you have at least one of them, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> the second one is the, the, the soccer coach. Yep. Yeah, so th- those were the main two ones. So the first one is because of the indictments, Junior goes to Boca, and we have this whole storyline um, where word gets out that he performs oral sex on his girlfriend. And that crosses with another storyline, but we'll get to that. But that's the main one. And then obviously the the soccer coach and the meadow and, and you know, all these, the coaches horrendous acts and then Tony's decisions about them. So those are the, the two main ones. There's a couple other small runners that were in this episode too. Can you guys think of them? The kind of continuation of Tony going to therapy that Junior's finding out about. Yeah. So that kind of tied into, so Mikey, who's Junior's guy, started having Tony followed and Tony's whole crew because they suspect there's a rat somewhere in there. And that was ongoing. But that's interesting is because Junior leveraged his anger over the A storyline where word gets out about um, about him and his girlfriend. So he uses Tony going to therapy and that just like all builds up. And, you know, we have that that moment at the end where Mikey asks him, you're actually thinking about clipping Tony. So it's it seems so seamless when we're watching it too but it is like i mean it's just like so hard to think of two unique things and finding out a way how like one reaction is gonna affect the other like that and then any any other ones you guys can think of ari buko and his wife yeah yeah and so that that ties into the soccer one a little bit too but it's it starts with tony putting pressure on Artie to tony wants to invest in his restaurant so that they're in business together like tony will just be the bank or whatever but so Artie's resisting that, but then Artie has to question on, you know, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a good person and all of this with his wife. And then with obviously eventually convincing Tony not to go through with, with killing the coach. And then the, like a, a tail one that they threw in there was just that the mobsters, there's only one beat in this storyline, but all the mobsters and the <laughs> are starting to bring their, their mothers to the retirement community so that they can start hiding, <laughs> hiding like guns and money there. <laughs> Any big picture thoughts about this episode, Josh, you said you more so than the last ones, you felt like you were really looking to watch the next one. Yeah, it just seemed like things were coming together. There was, you know, the whole interaction between or the growing animosity between Junior and Tony. A little more of Tony's family life with Meadow in her high school. Uh, I like Artie Bucco's character, so I like seeing him in there. It just seemed like things were kind of boiling to the surface and seeing Tony really make a different move than anybody would have expected by not going after the soccer coach fully physical really kind of threw a wrench in the works. I was like, okay, where is this going? And right. I'm curious to see if like that's actual growth. If he was just doing it because Artie was telling him, Hey, like let's pull back. Cause I mean, I kind of disagreed with him with that move. I would have definitely gone after the soccer coach and seeked my personal vengeance on him. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. I think we all would have liked to, uh, but let's talk about the actual decision if I don't think of it, remind me toward the end too. Let's let's talk about that because it is a good one. Mm-hmm. Drew, what about you? A lot of themes with like secrecy and uh, revelation, or I think that'd be the how you'd say it. You know, it's like people's darkest secrets. You know, Tony being a mobster, and then this other guy's kind of like worse than Tony. You know, I mean, Junior's big secret is that he goes down on his girlfriend. You know, and 
This is like terrible. well, apparently that's everyone's secret. All the mob guys, they just don't want anyone to know about I, it. I think it was kind of relevant though, too, to just like yeah. you know, it's like I've never talked about that with my friends, like you know, like. But yeah, it's just like we we all have secrets that we're like I wouldn't really want anybody to know, or just stuff about us that we wouldn't want anybody to know. And some of them seem so silly, you know, like juniors, and then others are like. No, that's some dark shit. That's gonna like absolutely. And I I saw that as just this this question of masculinity. This series keeps asking too. It's like these guys act all tough, but it's they're so sensitive. It's just like a little comment like that is gonna set off this chain reaction that is making Junior consider about whacking Tony. Like that made him angry about everything else, which I think is really brilliant in a show. Is it wasn't the fact that Tony was making fun of Junior for the oral sex on his girlfriend, but that was the thing that tipped it over. And I think that's really smart. And that's really human about it too, is he was already pissed off with Tony for seeing a therapist. He felt questioned about that, but he had always been defend- defending Tony, but this like set it, set it off. And I thought that was just like really, really smart. Okay. So in the episode, we start off in the cemetery. So Livia, Tony's mom, is leaving flowers for her deceased husband, Tony's dad, Johnny Boy Soprano. We see this difference between Livia and Junior. Like Junior's a couple years older than Livia, but he's much more present. He's a sharp guy, knows when Anthony Jr. is telling a joke. He defends Tony to Livia. Livia is like making fun of Tony for seeing a psychiatrist. We go to the soccer game. We have not yet escaped dorky high school sporting events here where we have Tony, Silvio, and Artie Bucco cheering wildly for the game, which I thought was awesome, though. Just like these these mobster guys just like getting really into this girl's soccer game. Silvio's wearing a wife beater, which I thought was just awesome. He like goes onto the field and is shouting at the ref and everything. There's this moment I, I thought it was a pitfall where the coach goes, we later learn is the the high school girl that he has slept with, but he like urges her to like, come on, like go score a goal. And she like somehow gets by all the <laughs> defenders and scores a goal. And it's like, what? That that doesn't happen. <laughs> it's like, where's that been all game? It's funny. There was a study. I Gosh, I don't know where I was reading about it, but it's funny when guys are playing in a sports game and their girlfriend is watching, they'll actually perform better. And when girls are playing and their boyfriend is watching, they'll perform worse. So I don't know if it's like some testosterone masculine ego thing and then like females maybe are thinking about their actions things more more carefully i don't know but i always thought that that was i thought of that when i was like huh so i never went to any of my girlfriend's sporting events just i'm just kidding (laughs) you're a real hero drew (laughs) that was entirely a joke And then Tony, we we get uh, a piece of one of the uh, the C or the D story when Tony tries to convince Artie to let him invest in uh, a new restaurant, Vesuvio. So when Tony set this place on fire or had it blow up in the first episode, Artie still hasn't gotten the insurance money for it. So it's just like stringing along for his poor friend who's just you know a chef, a chef elsewhere. We go to the Bada Bing, Tony. Artie and Silvio all get drinks with the coach. Tony and Silvio are from that world. Artie is, of course, like the non-connected guy from the mob, but grew up with these guys, Tony and Silvio. Can you guys think of any sport when parents are this excited about a high school coach? Was that a thing for for you guys growing up? Not for me in baseball, for sure. I mean, I could see like high school football. I mean, maybe not in California, but like in Texas. Yeah, it reminds me of like Hoosiers or or uh, Friday Night Lights or something. I thought it was a bit of a logic street stretch. 
So anyway, they're treating the, the coach to drinks. Tony's private uh, detective, or it's a police detective that Tony pays off, Vin comes in and he mentions this other storyline, which he knows that Mikey, who is Junior's right-hand man, Mikey has been paying a PI to follow Tony's crew because they think Tony has a rat in their crew. I mean, Tony takes it as it is. You know, Mikey has to do his due diligence. So Tony, I don't think is that offended by it. Um, and then Vin also gives Tony a list of people whose fiscal interests intersect with Tony's to help Tony prepare for these indictments. So that these ongoing indictments are still going on. So the mob doesn't know who is going to be, I guess, uh, have evidence brought against them or anything. So they're always there. So they're constantly trying to figure this out as well. And then Artie at the Bada Bing, they're getting drinks, gets a call, angry call from his wife, Charmaine. She's like working on the the deck or something, which <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but this would not be okay. It's just like, all right, we plan to get this deck set up and like paint it today. And you're just like, I'm going to get a beer at the strip club. <laughs> yeah, that might cause a rift. I was like, all right, good Charmaine. You have a moral compass and you're, you're getting this guy in line. We go to Uncle Junior's uh, lawyer's office where they can openly talk about business, just the uh, lawyer client privilege here. So they're, they're talking about the indictments and Junior is like really stressed out about this. So his lawyer suggests that he escapes to Boca uh, down in Florida for a bit. And there's a bit of a, a writer's nudge here where the lawyer mentions exactly what Junior is going to do for the audience's sake. I think he's just like, Oh, down to Boca with your lady friend and just like fills us in on the past where it's like no one really talks like that. Yeah, I was watching the newest Star Wars <laughs> and uh, there's a part where C and like I've never really noticed these before. You see 3 is like, that is Lando Carizian, da, 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 and and the main <laughs> character, I forget her name, is like, we know who he is, C-3PO. And I was like, oh, that's what Jared's talking about. All the oh, that was Hanging a Lantern. Yeah. Well, first it was two things that, yeah, right. It's like C-3PO did something for the audience and then the character hung a lantern on it. Nice. I think the smartest shows do less of that than other shows. So I mention it when I hear it in The Sopranos, but Sopranos actually does it a lot less than than other shows. I don't know, like like Game of Thrones or or the Breaking Bads or something like that, that, that do explain things for people. The Wire was really good at not explaining anything until season five. They like kind of do some nudges but I think The Wire is probably one of the best shows at that. Or finding a way to explain something without making it obvious, like bringing in a character who really doesn't know what's going on so they can explain it. I think that's smart. Anyway, in the law office bathroom, Mikey, Junior's guy, articulates that he believes someone in Tony's crew is a rat. Junior defends Tony, you know, his nephew. He doesn't, he doesn't believe Tony would ever, ever go down this path. Back in the woods, Meadow and some of her teenage friends are drinking and hanging out. Meadow comes across her her friend Allie, uh, who is having a suicidal attempt. She's slitting her wrist, so that's a pretty traumatic scene to watch. I mean, this this is a horrible scene, and I'm sure all of us have friends or known people through high school that maybe have undergone something like this. I think what makes it what could make a series of soap opera is if they had multiple scenes that are this dramatic, like one scene of this level of drama doesn't make it a soap opera. But if there's like frequently the worst things keep happening to people, I think that's what turns it more into a soap opera. Yeah. Meadows definitely going through the high school experience with doing methamphetamine and then, you know, having a friend attempt suicide. Emily's high school was kind of similar to that with just high pressure. You know, I, I don't think that that's like necessarily uncommon at all. Yeah, not at all. 
I think that the distinction is like if certain scenes like this of this level of drama and seriousness keep occurring, it's like, well, how many bad things have to ha- can happen to this person? Yeah. And that's where it becomes probably a little bit more melodramatic. Like the OC or something, yeah. Uh, in therapy, Tony is uh, opening up about the seriousness about Meadows' friend. And we get a really human moment out of Tony where Dr. Melfi asks him, you know, what if that had been Meadow? And you see, I think, like his most fatherly reaction yet where he just like puts his like face in his hands and kicks his legs out. It's, it's truly amazing. I, th- I think his best acting is done in that therapy chair. Like his expressions are so relatable and you're just you without him even saying any words, you know exactly what he's thinking. Here, Tony apologizes for what we saw in the last episode where he called Dr. Melfi like a call girl <laughs> just because she was requiring money. And Drew, you brought this up before too. It's just like how much she seems to just forgive him. He'll have like a very scary, violent reaction and then just be in therapy the next week, which I assume he just shows up without saying anything and just like nothing happened. And that's just kind of his personality. Totally. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there have been people that have made, you know, sexual passes on the therapists or, but uh, Milfi's very patient <laughs> to say the least. And then we go to uh, the union office where Junior's girlfriend, Bobby, works. He got her the job there. And they talk about going down to Boca Raton in Florida. At Green Grove Retirement Home, one of the capos, Larry Boy Barisi, comes up to Livia, Tony's mom. Livia says, oh, I remember you. You know, you set that apartment on fire or something. (laughs) Always remembers the best in people. And then Tony arrives and he he takes Larry Boy off to the side. And there's another moment where Larry Boy explains something for the audience, because obviously Tony would know this. He says, oh, the feds are never going to surveil an old folks home. And that's why he wants to bring his mom there. Or it's like, come on, this is Tony's idea. And then another capo in the crime family, Jimmy Altieri, comes up and he's also trying to get his mom in. Tony opens the paper and he learns that their soccer coach that they they love that has helped this team win it took a job to go to a um to go coach at a college at the soccer practice Artie and silvio try to talk to the coach about leaving to try to convince him the coach makes a comment oh they made me an offer i couldn't refuse which is a little too on the nose like i wouldn't freaking say that to mob guys that's a reference to the godfather it's like dude like show some show some restraint here and then meadow mouse off and the coach punishes her it's it's really dorky how he's like, oh, go give me 20 laps or whatever. That's like a, a really long, that's a lot of, that's like five miles, 20, <laughs> 20 laps. I mean, maybe not five, at least four. Like, that's excessive. That's an excessive punishment. It was kind of like breakfast club. Like, oh yeah, you, you want 10? Give me 20. To a certain extent, like I don't believe in it, like a coaching philosophy. It's good to like punish people necessarily with hard work. Because then they'll associate hard work poorly. Drew and I had a coach who he like he got into this like just for like one season or something, but was punished people with doing a burpee mile. So they had to do burpees for a full mile. What? Do you remember that, Drew? No. <laughs> I don't. I guess I wasn't punished. Yeah, I, I I never had to do it, but it was just like it's like you go to a burpee mile and they're just like out on the track while we're like at the ergs or weights or something. Um, <laughs> just like doing, they was like out there for so long. So stupid. What's the dorkiest coaching moment that you've ever experienced, Drew? Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> I, I, my coach in high school would like 
berate us <laughs> like bad. It was like, you know, if you weren't such a good coach, this would probably be a problem. Uh, in college, for like my freshman and sophomore year, our coach had this policy where you had to run a, a mile in under six minutes every day in order to practice. And then if like you didn't practice, you didn't, you couldn't like start. And I was, a, it was, oh. a, this is baseball and I was a pitcher. So it didn't really affect me all too much. I mean, I, I could do the mile, like I'm just a good runner, but then, like half our team couldn't do it. And then you never followed through on the threat. And then like a year and a half later, we had uh, some major leaguers would work out at our field. Um, I was like a subtle brag there. Well, not really. I mean, it, it could be, but yeah. And, and one of the major leaguers told my coach, like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, why would you make your players like run a mile? Like baseball has nothing to do with running. <laughs> and ever since that guy said that, like we never did it again. <laughs> wow. That's so dumb. Like if you have a punishment that you can't enforce, it's like, who's the wrong one here? It's not the athlete. It's the person putting forth the punishment. Yeah, because his his opinion was, oh, it's all mental. Like anyone who has the mental capacity can run a mile under six minutes. It's like, well, that's stupid. Well, there is a physical that's component. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm questioning everything about that, but it seems like like maybe a mile under eight minutes. Like I could see, like you know, even the most out of shape or you know, if if you're a a, co- a collegiate athlete, you should probably be able to run a mile under eight minutes, or maybe even like seven thirty. Collegiate like, athlete, six yeah, okay. six is pretty fast. Like, you know, half a lot of people, I couldn't run a six minute mile today. And I know like a lot of people on the team didn't do it. And it was just like, okay, that guy's literally the best player. And he just ran like a 715 mile and he's playing every game. Like this is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) The dynamic and not quite understanding physical and mental limits. Just like, oh, everyone is capable of that. It's like, well, no, that's pretty bad. Down to uh, the Boca Hotel. Uh, junior is with his, uh, with his girlfriend in the bedroom. Another moment where she's like, you know how long we've been coming down here? And he says 16 years. And it's like, okay, he knows they both know that. And she infers, this is where she infers about his artistry down there (laughs) and his ability, uh, for oral sex. But then he reminds her, you know, he tells her to keep quiet just because all these mob guys really have masculinity issues. At a restaurant, Tony is having dinner with Artie. Again, Tony's trying to convince Artie to go into business with him. Artie's unsure but continues to resist him. They get angry at a guy in the restaurant wearing a hat at a table. You know, we go back to this theme. This Their generation is saying, oh, standards these days, you know, people aren't like what they used to. So they have this nostalgia for the past. And Tony goes over and tells the guy who's wearing the hat in the nice restaurant to take the hat off. So... Artie sees Tony as actually being able to move forward with these actions that Artie only thinks about. And I think he's um, admires that. And that I think plays into his decisions and, and his arc throughout this, this episode later on. Tony sends over a bottle to the guy who he has to take the, the hat off. But as he's doing that, he tells the waiter to get the license plate on two suspicious looking guys at a table near them. Tony and Carmela see Meadow's friend Allie, who's the one who tried to commit suicide, they see her at their house and they're really excited to see her. Tony is excited about her playing soccer again. And it's like a really dorky dad moment. He's just like, kick ass girls. <laughs> and if there's any soap opera moment, I was like, that is that was pretty soap opera-esque. They're also watching like the best 90s music video. <laughs> the days of just watching MTV top, whatever. Yeah. They're just like, 
dad were kind of in the middle of this. <laughs> At a lounge down in Boca, Junior and his girlfriend Bobby are dancing. And again, he reminds her not to tell anyone uh, that he performed oral sex. This might be one too many reminders. We probably didn't need this one. But we also catch an FBI agent at the lounge, gets a visual on Corrado Soprano, who's junior. So we know the FBI has been following him. He's the boss of this family. At the coach's house, Polly and Tony's crew drops off a TV. Uh, he doesn't say what it's for, but it's it's implied that is a bribe to keep the coach coaching the high school team because, you know, Tony Silvio already think that is the team's best way to win sectionals or win the state championships or whatever. And, you know, their kids can get scholarships or whatever. Meanwhile, at a nail salon, Bobby, who's Junior's girlfriend, is getting her nails done. Someone mentioned, so the word's already spreading around. They talk about how Junior is, is super giving uh, in the bedroom. Dinner at the Soprano house. Tony's there with his family. And then Uncle Junior, Olivia are also there. Tony asks Junior about Boca and he says, I don't go down enough. And Carmela says, that's not what I heard. And there's a moment where we know Carmela knows Tony might or Tony doesn't know. Junior might know that Carmela knows. And it's it's a pretty amazing dynamic here. Uh, Meadow reveals to everyone that she quits soccer and storms off. Livia grows emotional. And uh, <laughs> say? let her go. Let her go. <laughs> Tony's, Tony's like the only time you act like a grandmother here is when you try to score points. In the bedroom, Tony and Carmela talk about Meadow quitting soccer. Carmela believes the coach was pushing them too hard. Tony wants her to stay committed. And Tony forces Carmela to tell him about Uncle Junior. Like, what were those comments that you were making at the dinner table? And she reveals that word got out that Junior goes down on his girlfriend. And Tony's having, you know, a field day with this until she's like, oh, like you don't do it or any of your friends. And that just changes the mood. <laughs> bunch of hypocrites i mean it's kind of like like boys crying in grammar school too where you're just like hide it hide it as much as possible yeah. <laughs> it's like i don't, I don't cry or, or any age hide yeah. it hide it oh <laughs> until death i'm taking that that's my grave in the in Artie buco's basement at his house uh his wife charmaine is getting angry because she heard that the mob guys actually tried to bribe the coach with the tv and Artie downplays it but she reminds him, like, you know, you know what Tony Soprano is capable of. Tread lightly here. And then later at the coach's house, it's late at night. Christopher comes to the door and tells them that he has their dog. They're like, no, our, our dog's upstairs. And he convinces them that he does. It's he doesn't threaten them outright ever, but he kind of takes them outside, releases their dog from the car, which is just like, how did he get that from upstairs in their house? And Christopher has this amazing line where he just says, what? No reward? Just kidding. I'm an animal lover. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love any scene where it's I'm like, all right, I, I see why Christopher's in the crew. He like shows his value at times. He may be emotional, but um, he can he can pull his own. So the TV might have not been the bribe, but this weird incident of this mob guy showing up to the coach's house is getting him to second guess taking this job. So at the Soprano house, Tony hears the coach is going to stay and tells Meadow. Meadow storms off. She goes upstairs. Tony and Carmela go to comfort her. And this is when she reveals that her friend Allie has had sex with the coach. So her high school friend has had sex with him. And there's this, I mean, this is great acting out of James Gandolfini too, where he goes through this range of emotions and just gets so, so angry. You can see it. 
it gets to the point Carmela Carmela just tells him to leave like go step outside this is very serious like I'll I'll talk to Meadow about it so at the bottom being Silvio and Tony talk about their options with the coach they know what they're going to do here right they they know what has to be done the line of business they're in you know it's um they have to kill him at this point so Tony says no hired help either you know this is personal Artie comes in and he's a few steps back he's you know angry that they even tried to bribe the coach and it's like no no Artie it's it's way past that now so they tell Artie that the coach slept with Allie and Artie like the rest of them are just furious um all of their daughters are on this soccer team as well and Tony assures Artie that that coach will not be doing that anymore at the golf course uh Junior and his guy Mikey are talking a bit Mikey's talking about how he's been telling Tony uh suspecting there's obviously a rat in the crew and he says they lose Tony twice a week but don't know where he goes. This is when Silvio and Tony arrive here. Shout out to Silvio's hat. Apparently that's Steven Van Zandt's real golfing hat. But they're golfing. Tony keeps talking during Mikey's backswing, which I love just because Tony clearly doesn't like this guy. Junior gives Tony a jab about missing a fly ball as a kid. And this is, I love like when these subtle, these subtle things that you don't think would be a big deal create these huge reactions so Junior mentions that Tony missed a fly ball. Tony gets pissed and he starts rubbing in Junior's face about what he heard about him going down on his girlfriend. But Tony doesn't mention it. You know, he's making, you know, rude comments at the tee box. I I think TV shows often require a strong reaction out of people. They're like showrunners, writers, networks, they're they insist that, oh, you have this strong reaction. That's what people want to see, this melodramatic incident. I love the subtleties of this. Literally, Junior's comment about this jab about Tony missing a fly ball leads to Junior considering about whacking Tony. Junior makes his comment. Tony starts uh, making fun of Junior for going down on his girlfriend. Junior threatens to tell people that uh, Tony's seeing a psychiatrist without actually saying it. Tony doesn't know that Junior knows that. And tensions rise here. So everyone's a hypocrite. Everyone has fragile emotions. And I don't think it's illustrated anywhere better than here. I think it's really good. At the Buco household, Charmaine finds Artie. Artie reveals that Tony, in so many words, is going to hurt the coach, the coach who had sex with this girl on the team. And Artie's maybe feeling some regret for the situation he's in. He's never been connected to the mob. Um, he doesn't have the strength to go talk to that person at the restaurant who's wearing the hat for example so in a way he really admires tony here but charmaine gives him the pitch she's like arthur you do have balls that's why you're not like him you know you chose this honest route in life and you're going through much greater hardships than tony ever will because you chose to not deceive people to be honest through life so i think charmaine and Artie are stronger characters for this so we we do have a moment there do you think charmaine's right josh I don't know. I was kind of taken aback by her reaction. I thought, especially with having a daughter on the team, she would have been more emotional in the sense of like, okay, let's go like really do some damage to this guy. But, you know, she's been true to her character and maybe the writers have made her strict like that where it's like there's a distinction between Artie and Tony and there's this line and this line is, you know, it's morality, it's what's right and wrong in the American culture and she just will not let him cross it. So, you know, props to her for being consistent and uh, he's props to him for listening to her. But I would have, I thought this might've been one thing that broke her and been like, okay, let's, let's get our hands dirty. 
Drew, do you have any thoughts? I don't know who has a harder life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one's dealing with insurance of his restaurant being burned down. One's, one's self-inflicted, though. Yeah, that's Tony's true. Life. It's like, you made your bed here. But yeah, I, I really, um, sometimes Charmaine's just like bitching at Artie, but for mm-hmm. for valid reasons. And I thought like she really has this good point here. She's just like being a really good wife to him in this situation, which made me like her character more than her just being like, Artie, why the fuck are you drinking a beer at the strip club while I'm painting the house? <laughs> <laughs> which is also a valid reason <laughs> to be annoyed. Her lines are always these attacks on Artie. Literally every time we've seen her, it's been an attack on Artie. (laughs) It's like, Artie's a pretty decent guy. And that could be a pitfall. I don't think it is. I don't know what you guys think. But it's like, she's been right each time. It's just like, what? You're taking tickets from Tony Soprano? What are you, stupid? No, it's funny how she, to Carmella, she's like, I made my choices. And then it's just like, Artie, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) The biggest burn of the series thus far is when she threw that at Carmela, though. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Out of out of nowhere, dropped the nuclear bomb. Yeah. I know. That was another example of like a subtle irritation. Like she was just kind of irritated with Carmela beckoning her at the party, and she's like, "You know what? I'm going to throw this at her." And I think that is so much more human than Carmela doing something extreme to her. But let's take our our intermezzo here. So for this week, I want to just I want to talk about what our upcoming plans and goals are. This has been as we're recording this podcast, it's episode nine. um, And this has been, you know, a huge time commitment for all of us, too. But I'm curious on all of our our goals and and what we want to accomplish in the next year or so. Drew, what what are you working on and and what are you doing these days? Um, I'm working on a lot. I'm building uh, the inside of a converted van. Uh, I had shoulder surgery uh, five months ago, so I'm just starting to like be able to use my shoulder. And um, I'm kind of, I'm growing this art business, selling mostly stickers to like souvenir shops. Um, but I'm kind of I'm really excited for like the culmination of like all three. You know, like uh, I was talking, I was doing cold calls today, and I'm really excited to be surfing taking the van around to souvenir shops and and really being able to like talk to people and be like what kind of artwork do you want like i can do that for you and um yeah i've put in a lot of a lot of work this year so i'm pretty excited to like hopefully enjoy van life (laughs) so (laughs) it is all it is all like (laughs) if i don't enjoy living in a van it is just not gonna work but uh, <laughs> I wish I could have that year back, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Uh, not kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I'm excited about. I think you're more suited for that lifestyle than a lot of people I know. And sorry, what were the three culminations? So it's art, van life, surfing, or business? Uh, surfing it, with that being like my shoulder. I mean, I've you know I had a shul- I had shoulder surgery in January, a torn labrum, and it's like a six month recovery. So I just like, you know, it's like my activity. I was running like in March and stuff, which was really nice for that was when the pandemic hit. But um, um, just doing PT sucks so bad. You know, it's it's just boring. And I'm just like, it's like, you know, been like six months of physical therapy. So Emily and I were also dabbling with the idea of like getting an art studio. 
um, cause she does ceramics and she's like, that's really gotten better in the last year. And we were looking at a studio in like West Marin. And, uh, that was pretty exciting to be like, huh, maybe we could be, you know, just kind of options are open for us for where we want to be. And, um, I think an art studio would be really good for us, even though we'd be paying, you know, more like similar to like rent to be living in a van, but yeah. then, it, then it wouldn't be, you know, doing, trying to run a business out of a, out of a van. So I think very few people could take all the goals or hobbies or not hobbies, but passions of their life and tie them all together. So I think that's really unique that you can kind of do this on this van adventure where you are exploring national parks and <laughs> continuing your art. I, I think that is very rare to be able to tie all that together. Yeah. And I don't even think it's like the best, um, especially trying to do it all at once. It's been a bit overwhelming, but um, at least we're going for it, which, which feels good. Josh, how about you? What are your upcoming plans and adventures over the next year or so? Well, was supposed to get married on uh, October 2nd. Wasn't a romantic fallout. It was just, I don't know if you guys have heard of SARS COVID 2, also known as a coronavirus. It's really <laughs> affected, uh, affected events, uh, large scale events. So we've, we've had to delay our wedding by about six months. Um, so just working through those dynamics has really been a lot, um, just a lot of emotions going into that. And then I'm also starting a business blog um, that I myself am contributing to with uh, articles that of series of events that I've gone through and hope to share and also trying to curate a list of guest articles written by semi-experts in the industry. Uh, for example, when it comes to like raising money, uh, interviewing uh, some of the people I know that are running some startups and have actually raised significant dollars in series a financing and what it takes to negotiate a lease and kind of common sense. I wouldn't say common sense, but like things that you don't really think about when you start out, when you go out to start a business, but rear their head very quickly when it's like, okay, I need to hire somebody. How do I do that? And it's like, Oh, what are the pitfalls? What can I do to help? Or like, Oh, I need to get, find some office space. How do I do that? So Starting that, uh, been doing that for about a month now, so haven't gone live yet, but I'm just still trying to figure it out, and so that's been exciting. That's awesome. I love that. Did you guys try to download when it was the wrong episode this week? Uh, I have mine just set to automatically download. Yeah, mine's on auto-download. So you guys might have the wrong one, actually. So I put the episode six audio into the eight slot and released it, and then a couple of people messaged me and were like, oh, this is the wrong one. I was like, oh, shit. So I deleted it and then added the eighth episode. But if you if you already had it on subscribe, automatically download, it might have downloaded the wrong one. And so you have to just delete that and re-download if that's the case. I should have probably t- told people at the beginning, but no better time than now, the middle of the episode. <laughs> so uh, so for me, I, this, this podcast has been a huge part of our time, which has just been so awesome. I've loved, I'm just, I'm passionate about TV and movies. So being able to, talk about this and vent about all these thoughts I'm having every week is just been an amazing outlet. Um, that said, I mean, it's, it's been pretty time consuming from the start, just with recording, editing, uh, running it through the program, just to make sure all the audio sounds good and then releasing it. And then also with social media following and things like that. But it's been, uh, it's just been a great creative outlet for me. So today we actually hit 800 downloads in our first month which for three people who had no experience podcasting, I think 
that was a huge win for us. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and also, I mean, my goal, my primary goal um, over the last several years has been to be a screenwriter. I want to be in a TV's, TV room and be a showrunner. So I'm always trying to write new scripts to add those to my portfolio. So those are all on my current website, jaredbackins.com. So that's where we have the podcast information and screenplays I've written. So I have these goals that I'm always trying to put out a new screenplay. So I'm I'm on um, a TV drama right now. So it's a one hour drama that I'm working on. And then personally here in Lizzie and I are starting to explore what it looked like to purchase a house here in the Bay Area, which might be like the toughest market, one of the toughest markets to actually <laughs> buy a house too. Um, but we're getting in a range where it's it's actually pretty it's actually plausible. So we're really excited about about that next chapter as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so back into the episode. Uh, after their golf outing, Junior and his guy Mikey are in the locker room. Junior's pissed about Tony, who Tony was just running his mouth while they were playing golf. Junior reveals that Tony is seeing a psychiatrist. Mikey's like, I fucking knew it. It's like, no, you didn't fucking know it. I just told you. <laughs> I don't think it was my favorite part of the episode. Like, how many friends have you had? Like, ah, I fucking knew it. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Junior at times is the most relatable, I think, of the crew, even though he's from like, it's just like, he is so quick witted and just like, doesn't really take shit. <laughs> um, but he's re- they get angry about Tony seeing a psychiatrist. Mikey's like, oh, no, they have the doctor-patient privilege, right? And Junior brings up, which is really important, about a psychiatrist that uh, testified against a murderer, too. So it's like, oh, wow, this is actually really serious. If the psychiatrist can testify against Tony, this has just gotten a lot more serious. In therapy, Tony is kind of venting about this soccer coach and how he wants to deal with it in a serious way. He says, you know, if he doesn't deal with it in the way he wants to, he'll just end up going to see a psychiatrist. It won't be the justice that he's asking for. He discredits psychology in this. And she asks him something, you know, which I think is an important question. Why do you think that you're the one that always has to set things right? So I think this is a good time to probably talk a little bit more about, I guess, Melfi's side of this, which is the Melfi Artie side, and then Tony's side of this. I mean, Drew, do you think it's reasons like this is why Melfi keeps treating him to convince Tony to not do something horrible. Oh, definitely. I mean, probably not for the, the attention. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think she's definitely feels like a moral obligation and here, here, here's one. So you don't think this is just like, you don't think it's, Oh, she gets really excited. It's like professionally, it's a really exciting patient. You think, I'm going to wait until he kind of reveals something horrible he's going to do and try to steer him another way is what you're saying. Yeah, I guess maybe both, but you know. I'm trying to convince you just against the opposite of whatever you say. <laughs> I don't, yeah, Tell me how, what you think. How much excitement do you need when your you know, patient is like kissing you or throwing money at you or like calling you a whore? <laughs> I don't know. I preferred river guiding when, when there was less excitement. Just guys trying to, to get to the shitter that you couldn't open. I swam someone my first year and uh, the, like the mom just started screaming heart attack because the dad was like in the water. Explain, explain what swimming someone is. So you're a river guide with people in your boat and you knocked a few out by accident. Yeah, we like went two sideways into a rapid. They fell out like their boat got pushed down 
kind of deep into the water. He falls out. And then I get the daughter back in, but the dad's just like going downstream. And uh, the mom's like, he's just kind of gasping for breath because it's cold and stuff. And the mom just starts screaming heart attack, which just sends like everybody into a (laughs) fucking panic. And I'm just like, paddle forward, like paddle forward, you know, like trying to sound like serious. And the son, who's probably like eight or nine in the front, turns around and it's just like, is dad going to die? Oh, <laughs> my God. And I was like, please paddle forward. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so just in, in, in my work environment, I prefer the, you know, nice day of <laughs> work. You know, that's-, that's pretty traumatizing. First of all, mom. You are not helping by screaming heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> no. And then there's like only one other rapid left on the river, but they take pictures there. And it's like, they like show, we would like get to camp later. And uh, someone from the photo company would go and show a slideshow. And like all the other boats, it's just like everyone's smiling and they're like, yeah. like. <laughs> and then... It comes to our boat and it's like, I'm like missing the rapid entirely. And like the, the mom and the daughter are sitting in the middle, like holding the dad. Who's just like looking down <laughs> into the side and the two like college sons are like paddling. And I just look like so serious. Wait, the, the, the sons are in college. Yeah. Uh, they were like, yeah, two of them were in college and one of them was like younger. He was like 10 okay. or something. And then there was a younger daughter. <laughs> so bad. I thought so. This image of them, hold, that's like really sad. <laughs> <laughs> was this your first year guiding? Yeah, it was like first year, like first mistake. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's traumatic, just traumatic for everybody. <laughs> hey, people make mistakes. People make mistakes. They got a story out of it. That's a good story. <laughs> yeah and so did you think about how many followers we're gonna get from this story alone probably like (laughs) one and a half (laughs) josh is this is this why dr melfi chooses to treat tony is so that when these incidences do come up she can slightly steer him another way or no i don't think so i'm gonna take an opposite approach i think what we've seen through the characterization of all the individuals in the Sopranos TV show is basically everybody does what's best for them. And I think Melfi either thinks that this is best for her professionally, you know, to kind of advance her career to get a groundbreaking patient like this, or it's just highly entertaining. I mean, like how many, you know, divorcees or couples therapy is she going to go through before it's like, Oh, I finally hit the jackpot. Like I'm bored out of my mind. Like, I don't know. I think, uh, I think she's kind of more selfish in this, in this scenario because Probably by the book, they'd tell her to not see this patient like her ex-husband was saying, you know, get out of it. This is yeah. this is bring you no good. If anything, it's bringing you more risk from, you know, who, who knows what the ramifications are going to be down the road if the mob finds out. So I think it's more of a kind of a selfish response just based out of pure curiosity and boredom. I, I'm kind of there too. Well, I don't think necessarily all the characters are just looking out for their best interests. I think there might be a few outliers, but... I do think she has taken it the position for some sort of thrill out of it. Um, but Drew brings up a good point where it's like no one would want that type of work environment where somebody is scaring her like this, probably unless she has just like a weird she's like that guy in a uh, free solo who just 
can't get excited unless he like climbs El Capitan without any ropes. <laughs> it's like, geez, dude. <laughs> like they looked at his brain and were like, oh, you actually don't get as excited as a normal person under normal <laughs> situations, but that's so funny. I watched um, that two like two days. Ago. Yeah, he's like, your amygdala is not <laughs> functioning. That guy, that was somebody who only did things for himself. He was worse than like he's like he's a sociopath like the characters in The Sopranos. Do you think that's such an outlier that you know Nat evolution has kind of reduced that trait so much? Because I mean, think about it, like two hundred years ago without the training techniques, and he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna go like do something crazy like you would have most likely died yeah <laughs> like he just has like you know he's got this van with these special grip rails and like i don't know he, he he's got knowledge to build up his skills to do this crazy stuff but if you're just starting out like doing something crazy i don't know like walking across america you know and trying to be like lewis and clark without any help like dude would have been toast so you're making a point that like people are seeking or people were always seeking that type of thrill but in just it looked different ways no no i mean like people with his you know kind of like brain makeup that Mm -hmm. it's so unique that you know it might have been in a bigger population earlier in time but it was just kind of darwinism they killed (laughs) they killed themselves (laughs) that wouldn't surprise me it's mostly probably let's be real just like men with a bit of an ego it's like (laughs) yeah i can freaking do i can find that without directions it's like, Lewis, yeah. we should ask Sacagawea here. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so at the Bada Bing office, Artie comes in to tell Tony it's wrong to kill the coach. You know, whether you think, I mean, this coach deserves to die. I think so at that point. But whether it's right for Tony to deal that out for him, I don't know the right answer to that. But Artie does make a great point. He said killing the coach will only make Tony, Silvio, and Artie himself feel better, not anyone else. And I was thinking about like justice in some situations, like who does that make it feel better? I don't know. What do you, is that what, how justice works? Is it just to make certain people feel better? Does it defeat a greater good? Josh, what do you think? Yeah. When Artie said that, it, it was definitely thought provoking. Um, mm. Even with what you just said, I think he might've actually served the greater good by going through with the hit. Cause now you know, it's going to be a public trial. Meadow's going to get involved. Her friend that actually had the relationship with the coach is going to get involved. It's going to be aired publicly where beforehand, you know, if Tony either, I don't know, even know if he was going to kill him. I was kind of in my head just thinking he was going to like kind of chop his dick off because he was like, <laughs> he was like, Oh, he, he won't be doing that again. It's like, okay. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the outcome would have been, but I think it might've been better. It might've, it might've been, easier for every all the victims involved to kind of move on but i mean i don't think the sopranos is gonna focus on this plot development more but if it did i think uh the ramifications of the victims and everyone involved might even make it worse than than if he just silently went away so i think he should have gone through with it and is already right in saying killing him really only satisfies tony silvio and Artie. Like would the daughter feel better? Would the wife feel better? Would- he might be he might be right, but at the same time, that doesn't make Tony wrong. I think it's mm-hmm. one of these situations where there's there's multiple angles to it. Um, so, but I mean, I know maybe like five years down the road, maybe the uh, Meadows friend would be like, "Oh, thank God this guy's dead," or or whatever. You know, I, I mean, mm-hmm. she's so wrapped up in the situation that no resolution is going to feel good to her. 
but I don't think Artie was wrong to come to Tony with that request. And, uh, but I also don't think Tony would have been wrong to follow through with what he wanted to do. Yeah. No one would. Yeah. This is like one of the few episodes where we're like, Tony is clearly the hero over this guy. Yeah. Where it's like other, other times it's like, who is like, Tony is not the hero. Oh man. Drew's already the stronger man here or no. I mean, I think Artie has a point where it's like, you know, if someone pushes you, it's just like, let it, let it be as opposed to pushing back and, you know, let like karma or whatever do its due diligence on the situation. But I mean, pedophiles usually get like killed or just like really not treated well in prison anyway. So it's just like, he'd probably be tortured a lot more like killing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like t- Tony is probably doing a moral thing for, basically everybody by just offing him <laughs> quick if he does some sadistic like chop off his dick shit then like he was with the gonna do with the jewish guy the, <laughs> then you know <laughs> that's probably maybe a little far but um yeah it's just like such a gray area I, and there's something so satisfying in cinema and books in real life about this justice of like seeking vengeance on somebody by killing them if they did wrong. It's so many movies are just about that. It's like, like all these Westerns, a lot of the gangster films. I was going to say a lot of it though, is that justice is only served when the crime is so heinous, right? Like stealing the true innocence of like somebody who's young, like that is across the board acceptable. Be like, okay, yeah, that, but you know, once things get a little less severe, it, it definitely becomes more of a gray area. I think that's a, great distinction you made too because if tony was tasked with dis- or if anyone was tasked with figuring this out for any crime people would make a lot of wrong decisions and that's probably why a justice system was established whether however it works it's like people on the streets and things like that are going to make emotional decisions they'll make right they'll make wrong decisions it's could be anything but what you said though is like in a situation like this the crime that was committed like this dude deserves to die so at the bottom being later, uh, Tony's considering if he should make that call to Silvio to, you know, order this hit or as Josh thinks, maybe just cut off his penis. We don't know, but he's drinking. He's considering that at the office. Go to the at night, the union office where Junior's girlfriend Bobby works. He confronts her because he knows that she's spread around that he has gone down on her. And he, it's a really sad moment where she he pushes a pie into her face, which it could have been a lot worse, but um, she's really emotional. And then he fires her from the union job. It broke my heart. (laughs) I I thought it was really sad. I mean, she's just like, Junior, I love you. Or it's so bad. That actually really made me sad. I actually almost felt more bad for Junior because he he, he seemed to really, you know, love her too. But yeah had to like withhold his up uphold his reputation with his boys and it's like dude such a stupid reason to like leave your you know a woman you love or whatever yeah you're getting getting old yeah it's like where, where are you i mean i guess you're mob boss so they're probably a dime a dozen but someone actually likes you back i was gonna say it was like a genuine love as opposed to tony's uh gumar they had a they had an actual connection I, I feel for Junior, like he doesn't have a wife or kid. I mean, I probably shouldn't feel for him. That's like the show getting me wrong. But I feel for him like he's he was passed over. Like he has this younger generation passing him. And he's kind of he's kind of a likable guy to hang out with, I, I think, at, at times when he's not doing like mob stuff. 
uh but yeah, I, I felt bad for him too. I felt bad for Bobby, his girlfriend. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really well done. In Silvio's car, he's waiting to conduct the hit or whatever on the coach. He gets a call from Tony. Tony says to call it off. Uh, later, Tony's watching the news at the bottom being. He sees that the coach has been arrested. So he's made the decision not to go through with the, the hit. And instead, uh, get the police involved. In the last scene, Tony comes home completely drunk. Um, he, you know, he's fallen over as he gets into the house, and but he tells Carmela, he's just like, "I didn't hurt anyone. I didn't hurt anyone." And Meadows watching from the stairs, and it's really just, I think, another traumatizing event for <laughs> for poor Meadow. I'm wondering about this. We chat about the decision a little bit, but was it the right decision for this series? Was it good to see show this side of Tony? Drew, what do you think? I was almost yeah. I was confused as to. Is he just overwhelmed with the situation or was he, did he just like so upset that he didn't kill him and he's just confused. So he just gets like shit faced. Well, I was okay with him getting shit faced. I thought that made sense because he was, he wanted to kill him, but had this conflict. Um, I was okay with that. Do you think it made sense for the series though, for Tony to not go through with the hit? Do you think he would have actually not done it? I think it just adds depth to the whole anti-hero and you know every once in a while like your friend or something will be like do something that you're like wow that is like entirely out of character you know Mm -hmm. i mean so so i didn't i didn't mind it because we do do things that are out of our norms or whatever and i think there'll be plenty of times where he does decide to go through on it's just like (laughs) yeah it's just like with like jesse pinkman you know where you're just like please just like don't do heroin again like (laughs) or whatever and it's just like every fucking time so it's like kind of like fresh like oh nice he like chose the right thing and now he's like shit-faced just scarring his daughter josh any thoughts yeah i think this might have been one of those like inflection points where he's like okay i did the right thing but i could I could also see a couple episodes down the road. Maybe the coach gets off on a technicality or, or something and he's back in the real world. And then Tony just devolves even further being like, I tried to do the right thing and the system didn't do what it's supposed to do. So now I'm going to like dive even deeper into the bad parts of my soul. And so I think it could be one of those where if the situation doesn't go according to plan, it could be an accelerant to him just evolving even faster so i'm really curious to see what's going to play out i think it was right for the series i think it added layers to tony's character it's important though to not keep him like this i think as an anti-hero you do need to have him come back and do something horrible at different times in the series you can't just have this generous anti-hero well also what we saw was it took so much for him not to do it not to do what he wanted to do it took Artie like begging it took the therapist and so we don't have that support system. Say he has to make a off the cuff decision. Most likely he's going to go with his gut and what, you know, he initially would do in any situation is probably like the most ruthless behavior. Yeah. I don't think he does it. If both Dr. Melfi and Artie hadn't tried to convince him not to. My question is from a business standpoint, there's no way he gets away with it. If he actually calls this hit, like he pretty much tells Melfi he's going to do it. Like Artie knows, Charmaine knows, like way too many people know about this explicit hit and he doesn't want to hire other people out for it. He's like, all right, Silvio, you go do it. 
it's like this is they are going to be looked at very very closely if this happens it's not like they're just killing one of their mob guys especially if they're already being looked at by the fed yeah as a business decision i was like i that you didn't even think about that like (laughs) you you told you told melfi you were gonna do it like she picks up the paper and sees that i don't know i don't know all right, so let's let's touch on just a couple pitfalls for this. So the areas that the writers should have avoided before writing it or directors. I think the whole premise around all these mob guys caring so much about a soccer coach, a high school soccer coach was a bit of a stretch. I get they're supporting their kids, but it's like, don't you guys have bigger fish to fry? You guys are in the mob. You guys dispute it or are you guys okay? I don't know. I, I My brother was like played junior tennis and there was just like a lot of weird shit with like uh, parents and it was just just kind of like jesus christ <laughs> we're, we're taking this a little seriously parents do absolutely yeah they do but usually if their kid's not playing or something i think right i don't know parents are the worst so you might be right you might be right there i was okay with that i was more not okay or thought it was very unrealistic that the coach would go to a strip club <laughs> with like a few of like you're girls soccer teams dads like talk about a all-time uncomfortable situation if a soccer (laughs) mom found out about that oh man that gossip would spread like wildfire i did like when he's like all right interesting lifestyle you guys have here (laughs) (laughs) coach it's uh it's on the house (laughs) (laughs) like guys show some discretion (laughs) Please. And it that goes into the, the dorky coach soccer scenes where he's just like, come on, come on, do 20 laps. And then when he's like, come on, Allie, or whatever, and she like runs past all the defenders, like, really? That's what it took? Um, I thought I thought that was a bit that was a bit silly. And then uh, all the moments, this this episode had more than usual where the the writers got a little careless and explained some things for the audience, so they brought characters in. It's like, do you know how long we've been going down to Boca? Yeah, of course I know. I've been going down there with you all those years. Or the feds would never surveil an old folks home. And then what I mentioned was, if Silvio actually did kill the coach, I don't see how the crew gets out of it. I think somebody is finding out about that, uh, especially with the indictments. All right, no deaths this episode. Um, So we are tallying those for the whole series. Best comedy moment. What I had was, I loved the dinner scene with Livia, Uncle Junior, when Carmela's throwing those jabs at uncle jr but i'm gonna say my favorite the one i probably laughed the most was when christopher returned the dog to the family (laughs) i just thought it was like so creepy you kind of knew what was going on and then he's just like what no reward just kidding i'm an animal lover (laughs) so that's my best comedy moment how about you josh i also liked the dinner scene just with carmella cracking up um i kind of cracked up at the end with the pie in the face just because it was so (laughs) <laughs> i was like in what world like is there just like a perfect pie sitting there that you could just smash in someone's face oh it seemed like a little too perfect but even though it was like a sad situation i was cracking up so that was a yeah same same here that so that was a reference to an old gangster movie called the public enemy that actually uh you'll see tony watching it at times and the creator david chase got a ton of influence from it god i forget i don't think it's a pie it's like some fruit or something that gets pushed into the face I'll look it up while uh, Drew tells us his best comedy moment. Yeah, I think I like the Christopher scene as well. Um, but I did like the the line Bushman of the Kalahari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that was but, yeah. that was a good line. I'm an animal lover, and you're just like finally a fucking scene where Chris is like, you like enjoy Chris. Yeah, he has his moments. Uh, so it was a grapefruit in the public enemy uh, that gets pressed into the girl's face, but it's like. I, I love that type of reference where they don't have to spell it out. Uh, so best drama moments. There's two main ones I like. Both the convincing scenes, the therapy scene where Melfi's trying to convince Tony not to commit the murder. But I prefer my favorite scene I'm going to go with. Artie makes the case that it would be wrong to kill the coach. Um, and it would only make them feel better. It wouldn't make anyone else feel better. That's That was my best drama moment. Drew, how about you? Probably when... Tony finds out that the coach is sleeping with uh, the, oh, the athlete. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Or 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 the uh, the therapy session was really good too. I, I almost got the impression that Tony was like, "Oh God, I'd kill Meadow if she <laughs> tried to commit suicide." Uh, I really like both those. Josh, how about you? I really like the therapy session as well, just because I just love watching Tony act or James Gandolfini act in those those scenes. Mm-hmm. But I also thought the uh, when Artie's uh, in the garden with his wife, I thought that was pretty good where she's kind of being the, you know, good angel on the shoulder, talking him down um, and really right. getting, getting him like the encouragement to face Tony and be like, okay, let's try and do this the right way. I thought, I thought that was pretty powerful. Another funny scene. I just thought of this is when Polly drops off the TV for the coach. I, I just love when, when Polly's being a gangster. I don't know what it's for, but the TV stays. <laughs> What, what what I thought was interesting was like is HD ready? It's like was there even HD back then? Like that was like 1999. That's like 360p <laughs> or whatever. Is that before 720? I'd imagine. <laughs> Who knows? We were kids. All right, right on. So Josh, is The Sopranos a high quality soap opera? It might be. I'm not going to take that as a as a fan watching it as an insult. Um, yeah, and uh, you know maybe by purely definition it is and. I think uh, it's pretty high quality TV at the, at the moment. I think no, based on like the strictest definitions, I think a lot of more modern TV shows fall into that more with their cliffhangers. They're more dramatic and emotional. Like Sopranos is much more subtle than a lot of other series, but if it is, I don't take it as a bad thing. So what if it is? Yeah. And also like going off my restaurant metaphor from the beginning, you know, the, <laughs> the Sopranos kind of leaves you satisfied after the entree it's like i don't need dessert to need to come back here like i i know what i'm gonna get i know it's quality and and so you, you don't need that cliffhanger you don't need that that last little sweetness to be like okay we're coming back next week it's like no we're coming back for the meat of this episode and and, that, and that's what it is it's 100 it's, it's, it's real drama it's not it's not uh it's not some fake cliffhanger like oh we're gonna find out in two minutes who killed who you know yeah just it's just quality God help a writer if they end a show in a in a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> and then the twenty four sound where it's like boom 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 boom. <laughs> I've I've fallen victim to twenty four, maybe like four four seasons of it in college. I I spent like <laughs> three straight weeks just watching it. <laughs> Cliffhangers are very effective. They are. I remember I remember grow, growing up. I would watch a uh, I had two older brothers, so I'd watch a lot of Night Rider and. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and Baywatch and they would always end <laughs> and they would always end with like to be continued. And my, my dad would always make a comment like the three worst words in television to be continued. <laughs> Just it is. I a hundred percent agree. Or they even dramas now like serious series that like critically acclaimed, they like 
build up a moment that they didn't need to build up just to end it on a cliffhanger. And it's so fr- and then it gets resolved in the first minute. They're like, oh, that actually wasn't a bad guy. He's fine. It's like, oh, that was fake. So that's our show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions, comments, if there's uh, anything you want us to go over, feel free to reach out to us on jaredbackins.com. Um, you can also reach out to us on Twitter. Josh hasn't seen The Sopranos. We're just getting started. We're trying to fight recency bias in new TV shows. So please help us out. Leave us a review. That's the best way that it's going to help others find us as well. Um, Drew, I think your website after eight episodes, it's riverstoseastickers.com and your Drew Draws on Instagram, right? Correct. You got it. And you've done, you did the cover art for this podcast as well, which is just totally awesome. And Josh, I'm looking forward to your your business blog when you have it prepared. We'll we'll start. Drew's Drew's sales have gone up 600% since we started this series. Um, Drew, do you think you've gotten one sale from from this podcast? <laughs> um, it was me. I I uh, I bought the company. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I would say that sales have gone up 600% because now we're open. Um, <laughs> hey i i think it's because of the podcast i think so too josh is there any chance that sarah will start watching the show again with you she might hop in for a few episodes i'm not ruling her out entirely i i like probably get kept up at night way more than i should about certain things but uh i think if you can get away from watching it on your phone you will greatly benefit um, <laughs> and there is Especially some episodes, and I don't want to warn you before them, where it's like, you need to watch this episode on a TV. There's um, especially so one episode at a wedding, season four <laughs> of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Jared, are you watching? <laughs> Our roommate did that exact thing in college, and it was like, well, dude, I know something's going to happen now. Anyway, Josh, highly encourage you to watch it on a large TV. There are going to be some awesome awesome episodes coming up i can't wait to talk about the next episode with you guys next week we're coming down to it at the end of season one here um we'll see you guys next time see you later adios